Please do turn to First Timothy chapter six. First Timothy chapter six, verse nine to eleven. We will also read Second Timothy chapter three, verse fifteen to seventeen, and after which we will pray together. First Timothy chapter six, verse nine to eleven. Then Second Timothy chapter three, verse fifteen to seventeen. Verse 9 of 1 Timothy chapter 6. But those who desire to be rich fall in temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Second Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3, verse 15 to 17. Let's pick up from verse 14 of 2 Timothy chapter 3, reading from verse 14 to 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and are firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God breathed out. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Thank you, our Father in heaven, for this Lord's Day. Indeed, a special service. A day in which your servant has been set apart for the pastoral work at Hope Baptist Church. That is, all whole family supports him in this work. Their conduct, their availability, their prayer for him are essential if he is to succeed. We thank you that as a church we stand behind this couple, this family, to support them financially, materially, in prayer, and in being available in the work that we've sent them to George to go and do. We pray, our Father, that as a local church, you may burden us, burden us and provide for us that we'll be able to send not one, but many missionary pastors. Many churches will be planted not only in Indola, but beyond. We pray that we will play our role as a local church, strategically placed with men and women equipped for this work. And so we, even as we say to Akalima Pat, we ask that you may begin to burden many among us 
to desire to go into the pastorate. There are many who need to be equipped, many who need to be trained. We ask therefore that the gift you've given us will not simply be used in this local church in a passive way. But that our Father, the man you will have gifted will respond to the call. You call and you grant the desire and you provide the means. So we do ask that even as we reflect on who the man of God is and what his family must be, his assignment and his character help us, all of us, that these are not things that happen when you become the man of God, but I think that must be seen before you become one. So in that sense we plead that you desire to challenge us with our core, with our character and with our family lives. So bless this morning, O oh glorious Lord, the preaching of your word in the context of sending our brother and sister and family to Hope Baptist Church. Grant that our God this word that will come to them will also come to us. Find room in our hearts and that in some way moved by the Holy Spirit we will respond appropriately. Hear us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we get in the text, in case you are a parent, if you are Mr. and Mrs. Kaite and Muyaules, um, uh, you're wondering, uh, daughters were meant to be giving testimony. We are great because of the nature of the service that they will actually give their salvation testimony this evening. Uh, so please do come in the evening. Uh, that's when the Kaite daughter and the Muyaule daughter will be testifying. Uh, in terms of their being in the baptism and how they were saved. So they will do that, but this evening. Reflecting on not just these two passages, but really the New Testament part of the Old Testament, we focus on the core, the character and the work of the man of God. The core, the character and the work of the man of God that which must be true for Bakalima is that he must be called, that his character must be biblically uh, qualifying him to the work which will be called to the, his family life uh, must agree that he is called to this world. And in focusing on the core, the character and the work of the man of God, we reflect on the description on the minister of the gospel as the man of God. The description of the minister of the gospel as the man of God. And when we have done that, we reflect on the minister of the gospel that that minister must be called. That the minister must inwardly and outwardly in relation to the place but also in relation to qualification it must be called. And then we reflect on the man of God, his work, and the fact that he must work. The man of God, his work, his job description, but also that he must work. So be announcing not only to our Kalima, but all of us who call ourselves called to the ministry 
we are called to work. The description of the minister of the gospel. The passages we've read in 1 Timothy 6, 9 to 11, in verse 11, there is a contrast. But you, man of God. And as you consider both passages, they are in the context of dealing with false teaching. In 1 Timothy, there are evil people, imposters, pursuing all kinds of things, even in relation to money. There is evil and teachers of evil, but you, man of God, pursue righteousness. In 2 Timothy, it's the context of the inspiration of the scriptures. But that text is in the context of defending truth. And as you go to that passage in 2 Timothy, sometimes we probably don't pay much attention there. Here is what we read. Verse 10 of chapter 3, 2 Timothy. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, my sufferings that have happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured yet from them, all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live God life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Verse 13, while evil people, imposters, will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, in that context we read in verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Then verse 16, oh, it's in the context again of standing up for the truth. Because the bad people are not only consistently doing bad, they are getting worse. They are not only deceiving, they themselves are being deceived. But you know what you've learned. You know what you've heard. And here is this totality, all scripture, and in that context we read in verse 17, that the man of God. That's how the defender of the gospel is described. That's how the teacher of the truth is described. That's how the pastor, the missionary pastor, an elder, any minister of the gospel described in that context but in a qualified sense and even so particularly to Akalima, man of God. Now this is a term that is being thrown around. I mean, almost everybody you meet, I, I, I am now used to. In certain contexts, when you go, that's the greeting. Man of God, how are you? And I'm thinking, I hope you mean the right thing. And the right thing is what the Apostle Paul does refer to. The title man of God is a title frequently used, particularly in the Old Testament. I think I've said, and I'll say it here, that the Apostle Paul is an Old Testament scholar. And all he's doing is pick up on Old Testament phrases and say, Timothy, this was not only for the Old Testament guys, this is true for you. 
uh, do say to those that are coming in the pastorate? Prophets and other spiritual men, including men such as Moses, David, Shemaiah, and others not named in scriptures are called men of God. Passages such as Deuteronomy 33 verse 1, Judges 13 verse 6, 1 Samuel 2 27, 1 Kings 12 22, the list goes on Jeremiah 35 4, and then in the New Testament, that terminology is frequent. In the New Testament, the title is used by my search only three times. Twice by Paul and then by Peter. Twice by Paul in a pastoral setting, but also by Peter in the context of biblical inspiration. In the plural, but the men of God were moved in this way. So we've come across this in chapter 6 of 1 Timothy verse 11, chapter 3 verse 17 of 2 Timothy, but also in 2 Peter 1 verse 21. And here is the context of that passage. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And Peter is there saying, all those who were used of God to write the scriptures have this designation, men of God. And he qualifies it there, these are holy ones. Man of God, therefore, is a designation of identity. Man of God, Wakalima, says who you belong to. Who is it that you submit yourself to? Who is, is it that you carry his identity? You belong to God, not simply by creation, but by assignment, by duty. You are not, as an old English phrase, the man of the cloth. You are the man of God. You are not the man of money. You are the man of God. You are not even, in a strict sense, a man of miracle working. You are the man of God. You are not to be identified by being a manipulative man, but by a man of God. Man of God underlines who such ones identify and must identify with that in your labors, in your ministry, it must be clear when people are asking, who does this person identify with? Who does he belong to? Who does he serve? And the answer must be very emphatic. He is a man of God. There's a song we continue to be ridiculed. Brother, welcome to the club. Those of us who belong to the pastorate, you know, there's a song about Fuala No, brother, you are a man of God. 
whether the tent issue is right. Your identity must not be in the schooner. Your identity must not be in the three uh, full suit. Your identity must not even be in how you sing hymns as the Baptist to God be the glory up and down. No man of God. That's your identity. But I would like to say that if you are a Christian, there is a sense in which you are a man or woman of God. Not simply by creation, by belonging to him as a redeemed one. You belong to God. Man of God demands a certain lifestyle in contrast to men of the world. And the Apostle Paul has labored. But you pursue righteousness, godliness, uh, pursue these virtues of the Christian faith. That's what he told us. First Timothy chapter 6. You who is a man of God, how must you live? Here is what we read. But those who desire to be rich fall in temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Continues in verse 12. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which we are called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And then the Apostle Paul says, I charge you, a man of God, live a certain lifestyle. We've had too many scandals, Vakalima. They are enough. Uh, please don't add more scandals. We've had too many of them. Please pursue what is right. Let's not hear because George is a small church. No, it's a kumi. Balasa nda pova pastor walanda kifuwa awe ule isakono. Tatamula alubuk. We we don't want those scandals. We don't want to hear Mrs. Kalima. When a pastor back to the teller, you know, unfortunately, many times this tends to be true. But pastor back, but we no number. You've heard of these things. But Pastor Bible of Nomba. Mrs. Galima, you must not fall in that category. Let them say, if it was not for the wife, this man would have fallen. Let them say that. The wife is exception. Remember one of the statements, one of my friends who baptized my wife when I was marrying my wife that time, of course I've made her grow, she's mature now, she won't say anything, I'm responsible for everything. <laughs> At that time he said to me when I was asking, look, I am thinking, the Lord has shown me, I have had a vision. And my friend said to me, she's a good lady, she's a spiritual lady. When she falls, you'll be responsible. Because I know she's more spiritual than you. Then I'm thinking, how can you say to a person in theological school? 
I mean, we are the spiritual guys. Mrs. Grandma, be that woman. Be that woman. Let, let not the church say, but a pastor. But if we do a charitable. No, those are scandals. Besu. Righteousness, faith, love. When visitors come and people are asked, where can I go? And people are hesitant. <laughs> I think No, it shouldn't. It demands a certain lifestyle. The words, but you are an emphatic contrast with some people of verse 10 who chase after riches. Timothy, as the man of God, was to be the opposite, to flee from all this, but chase instead after personal virtues and that of eternal value. I think I've been a Baptist long enough. If you want to be rich, you don't want to be a pastor in a Baptist church. Uh, there are other churches. You want to drive uh, a hammer, uh, I'm not sure a Baptist to buy me one. But we can pray for the deacons. Amen? <laughs> if you're going to pursue wealth as your end agenda, Hope Baptist will not fulfill them. Please pursue righteousness, love, faith, and salvation of the lost. The phrase, but you, indicates a contrast between Timothy and the false teachers. They were men of the world, but he was a man of God. Man of God, as used by Paul in reference to Timothy, is a term that means not only man of God by creation, as every man is, no, merely by special grace as everyone who is saved is, but by his peculiar office as a minister of the word, being qualified for and devoted to and employed in the service of God. Pastors or missionaries are men of God, not men of the world. And as such, they should conduct themselves accordingly in everything. They are men employed for God and devoted to his honor. You are a man of God. And that's a title of identity regarding who you belong to. The minister of the gospel must be called. And that's the reason we needed to hear what you say to us and I'll be quick here. Pastor must be called to the line of work of the pastoral service. Paul refers to this almost in all his letters. Paul, an apostle of Christ, called by God. Paul, an apostle of Christ, called by God. Paul, an apostle of Christ, called by God. He does this in almost all his letters. So when Paul says he was called, was referring to us now. Met the Lord, unmistakable. Who are you, Lord? I am the one you persecute. The story of Moses offers a good example. God caught Moses out of the bush and laid upon him the task, the task of liberating Israel. If you ask Moses, are you called? He will not be hesitant. He knows he's called. The call of Samuel. Is similar. 
sleeping he hears the voice goes to the man i didn't call you he hears the voice goes to the man i didn't call you he hears the voice goes to the man i didn't call you now i know who is calling you somewhere where you called of course he knew he was called am i saying you should go to sleep and wait for that call no he calls differently but all i'm stating brother kalima that if you are not called if god has not called you to this work you'll be most frustrated you'll be terribly depressed you'll have no motivation no inspiration the slightest thing will bring you down because christians can be difficult sometimes you will do your best believe you me if it will be a church on earth there will always be people that will say he should have done better i have learned in the pastorate that when if i did my outline of a sermon there will be somebody that will say no if you had included this it would have been fine you know he left out this there will always and some who are brave will say to your face and they will say pastor mrapepesha you know when they begin like that why should <laughs> now you you preach very well then you know okay okay that's good so far let's hear the end of the sentence but today and you are hoping they will say today was heavenly uh most of the times but today you sounded tired and you think i do get tired No today you sounded like you didn't eat of course i didn't the only encourage you have will be assurance to know that he has called you and because god has called you he will be with you if he hasn't called you you are on your own if he has not called you you must fight your own battles if he has not called you you are laboring for your own self so yes we heard the affirmation but i also would like to challenge you brother not only to be aware that you are called but to continuously affirm your call to continuously ask god am i still in the system because there will come a time when god will say your job is done and therefore my calling in this department you fulfilled the purpose uh, let's go to something else if you are not called you will resign if you are not called you will not last if you last it will be terribly excruciating the prophets exemplify that they were called the designations in the scriptures ambassadors angels stewards watchmen all imply calling the pastor must be called and indeed any christian minister must be called vocationally must have a clear evidence conviction that what they are doing in god's church is god's assignment for them either by general imperatives or by specific calling to that particular call bakalima let me say this a statement i picked up from a book 
if you can avoid entering the ministry, do so. If you can avoid entering the ministry, do so. The ministry must be with this conviction. Even though you have many opportunities to do other things, this is the thing that you must do. You told us you joined the Ministry of Education. If you want to be a teacher, please apply again. If you want to do a business of running 25 buses, please do business. If you want to get into farming with combined harvesters alongside the pastorate, go in farming. The pastorate demands a singular focus. The pastorate does not need other competitions. I'm not saying don't do business. I'm not saying don't do other sources of income. But if those begin to compete with your job, uh, you probably should decide whether you should remain here or completely be decided. If you can avoid entering the ministry, do so. If one can do something else, I think it's Derek Prime who makes the statement, do it. Do it. The man of God, his job and the fact that he must work. The pastoral call is a call to work. The pastoral call is a call to work. Here is what we read in 1 Timothy 3 regarding the eldership. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. It's a task to be done. It's a job. Here's what we read in the same First Timothy, but chapter 5, verse 17. Many times I've said to fellow pastors, please don't, don't, don't insist on double honor unless you qualify to who the double honor must go. Now, are the hospitality people here? Sure, after preaching, I'll have done something with double honor as you give to the rest. Uh, please remember. Uh, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. But notice the qualifier. Especially those who labor. Especially those who work hard in preaching and teaching. Pastor Pisa, where are you? I got your church, but you don't belong here. It's those who labor. That's the phrase I want to emphasize. Those who work hard. If, if I know unless something changes, your family, Bakalima, must know that beginning yesterday, 1st June 2019, you work for Ndola Baptist Church. You work. So that if you are in your study at home, they must know that dad is at work. My office 
was in the house in Kabwe, my family knew. When I went in the office, they knew. Dad has gone to work. Uh, when people come, they need to negotiate. Now, he's working, let's find out. It should be evident that you are working. Banakalima is what happens with pastors. Because you are working from home, Mrs. Kalima comes at nine hours and then she says, many. Awe is working. If your husband works for the bank, are you sure you are going to the bank and say, are we together here? When eight hours starts, work begins. Brother Kalima, this calls for a lot of discipline. Because the pastorate, we are probably the realest crop that is supervised. We are, the, the elders just assume, obviously he's mature, he's doing the right thing. But meanwhile, he's sleeping. You know, if I don't come to the office, Bayanga will assume, the elders will assume, he's starting from home. Uh, when you come home, they'll tell you, he's in the bedroom. Uh, maybe you should ask further, what is he doing in the bedroom? At 10 hours. May just be surprised, sleeping. But of course we don't say that. That's praying while sleeping on the bed. <laughs> the point I'm making, Brother Kalima, if there is a job that needs working the hardest, it's this work. You cannot afford to lazy around. You are going in a church plant. The members are not mature. You'll be a jack of all trades. You must do the visitation. You must do the Bible study. Conduct the prayer meeting. You must do the baptism. That calls for hard work 24-7. It's hard work. Unfortunately, that's part of the problem for many a pastor. We're very lazy. Very lazy. May that not be said of you. Here is what we read again. As for you always be sober-minded and you are suffering, do the work of an evangelist. Do the work. Here is what we read in Titus 1 verse 7 and reading from the NIV. Caesar Nova says entrusted with God's work. God's work. He must be blameless. And the story goes on. The ministry is a good work, but work nevertheless. A work it was and is heavy, insensate or non-stop and painful. One of the things members assume is that we know every verse in the Bible. You get somebody who has forgotten a certain verse, they phone you and say, Pastor, that verse which talks about uh, Moses. And you're thinking, many verses talk about Moses. Uh, that, that one, you remember? Now, you tell me. What are they saying? Be a student of the word. 
you cannot afford to give your opinions and guesswork. You're counseling, you're counsel, you're visiting the sick, you're, you're comforting those who have been believed it must be from the scriptures. And that calls for hard work. The office of a bishop, elder or pastor of a church is a work and a very laborious one. As a result, ministers, men of God, are called laborers in the word and doctrine. It is not a mere title of honor and a place of profit, but it is a business of labor and care, yet a good one. It is employment in the things of the greatest excellence in themselves and of the greatest usefulness for the good of people and the honor of God as the doctrines and ordinances, discipline of the gospel and so must be excellently, honestly, pleasantly and profitably a good work. There were no unlaboring ministers in those days and there should be none today. This is absolutely crucial because the pastorate is a task that must never be engaged in half-heartedly. Bakalima, my exhortation to you, brother, is simply this. Please work hard. Please work hard. Remember when we were in Imansa, there is a research station, and I think it's probably 25 kilometers from central town and members did expect me to visit them and there were no taxis there there were no minibuses the only mode of transport i had was a bicycle i had no excuse to say i couldn't come because it's far when i went to research and came back if it was a wednesday other cell groups still expected me to go and be there in Bible studies. Oh, by the way, Mrs. Swala was there. Uh, that's hard work. Remember one time, maybe it was the zeal of being a young man, we were supposed to go on a retreat. And I think the place was probably 70, maybe 80 kilometers. And I told myself, I'm going to check it out. Because when we asked who has been there, nobody. I am going to check it out. And where is my bicycle? Ongoing, there was no problem. Check the place. <laughs> God have mercy. On coming back, all of a sudden the bicycle wasn't moving. And I'm thinking, no, no, something is wrong with the bike. It's hard work. It's hard work. The office of a bishop demands hard work. We ask those who've been there that this is hard work. But let me conclude on the man of God's family. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? How? One of our major weaknesses, Vakalima, as a pastoral team, is here. You may live a good life, but you must ask, what about your wife? What about your children? Remember one Sunday, going home, 
and it happened at church and it happened between the pastor's child and the deacon's child so go home and you've preached and no idea uh, then I think it's my wife who said uh, you know that there was a fight at church and I'm thinking who fights on Sunday at church you don't fight and then when she tells me the name it's one of my sons your son was and I'm thinking they don't them come up I'm going to squeeze his neck how can he of all the children fight <laughs> but look fight on Sunday the pastor's child but look at church but the father is preaching the son is fight <laughs> and then I am so who was he fighting my deacon son I'm thinking okay now I think it's uh, yeah, yeah. You know, this leader's children <laughs> but you see if that is habit if that's who he is well that disqualifies me from the pastor if that's who my son is he majors in fighting beating everybody at church if that's the testimony that disqualifies me because then it states that I'm not managing my family well please Vakalima I've not seen your children let them be not the ones running around on Sunday if there will be people jumping and trotting I'm not saying they are made with a different DNA uh, exceptional spiritual infusion but they are your children and when they jump everybody will know manage your family well you have no moral authority to say to a family your children are misbehaving when yours are misbehaving you have no moral authority when people hear the pastor's son takes to the bottle and the pastor does not care you can't say to somebody child don't drink manage your family well an elder must be blameless the husband of but one wife now this sounds a little trivial brother we're not looking for polygamy in church one wife one more a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient regarding your life the apostle Paul writing to Timothy says watch your life and doctrine closely persevere in them because if you do you will save both yourself and your hearers he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it for there are many rebellious people mere talkers and deceivers especially those of the circumcision group I challenge brother Kaliman the family are you sure you are up to this assignment are you sure you are up to this assignment if you are the grace of the Lord will undertake for you. But that means for the rest of us, 
We must pray for them, support them, stand with them. But these qualifications, when you read the qualifications of elders, they are the same for all members of the church. They are not exceptionally for elders. Every Christian is expected to be righteous, to be hospitable, not covetous, a lover of money, not greed, but faithful. Are you sure you are up for that assignment? Amen.